0: Love Talk
1: Radio He was saying grace Over a Tuesday blue plate special When the man in the Don't you watch TV Don't you know that God's a myth? I hate to see you waste your breath Cause there ain't no use talking To a ghost that don't exist The praying man said amen And looked up from his place And said you may not talk to God right now But there's gonna come a day Cause whether you're a farmer in the field Praying for the rain Oh you curse him at the graveside Cause he called a loved one's name You can thank him, you can blame him Either way you're gonna face him Whether you believe in him or not Cause in the Everybody talks to God the man in the booth went quiet Because he didn't have a comeback So he shrugged it off and paid his steps And shuffled out the door In the praying man he prayed For the man who drove away Hoping he would see the light Before it got too late But how was he to know He touched a non-believer's soul Who got that conversation Two red lights down the road whether you're a farmer in the field, praying for the rain, oh, you curse him at the graveside, cause he called a loved his name, and you can thank him, you can blame him, either way you're gonna face him. Whether you. God, you can thank him, you can blame him, either way you're gonna face him, Will you believe in him or not, in the end, everybody talks to God.
2: Return Jesus is a morning radio. Old radio for real people.
3: A couple months later, after I have this hell encounter, I'm sleeping. And as I'm sleeping, I have a dream again. And I'm driving my car again. This time I'm driving on a different road. And as I'm driving, I crash my car. And as I crash my car, the same thing happens again as the first encounter. My spirit leaves my body again. But this time, there's no, like, pull. There's no, like, descending. I'm just, as soon as I leave my body, I'm in hell. But this time, different from the first time, I feel intense heat. The first time there was no heat, I didn't feel flames. I didn't feel any of that. This time, I feel tremendous heat to the point where it is unbearable. So my name is Andrew Agri. I'm 21 years old, and I'm actually a college student at
4: LCU. How long have you been uh, faithfully walking with Jesus? It's been about two years now. And do you come from a religious background? Yeah, so I
3: actually grew up in a Pentecostal house. My mom was a woman who was just very full of the Spirit. I remember at a young age just seeing my mom praying in tongues and talking about the things of the Spirit. And she was just someone who was just so on fire for God. And as a kid, I just didn't fully understand how someone could just be so on fire and so passionate about God. And I remember, especially when I got into high school, my mom started going even deeper in the things of God. I remember one thing that really affected our family was losing my grandmother and just seeing like how my mom was able to just persevere and like stay with God, and that really spoke volumes to me. Mm. And I just remember somewhere around my sophomore junior year of high school, my mom started having these Bible studies in the house. And you know, like before, when it's at church, you can kind of like make excuses and kind of like avoid it, but when it's in your house, like you've you got to go so I remember being forced to go to these Bible studies and it really just seeming so religious to me. Like I never had a true relationship with God. I guess I would say I accepted Christ in about the fifth grade, but I didn't really have any true relationship with Jesus. And then when I got to college my freshman year, I just remember my mom dropping me off at school and she was like, okay, you grew up in a Christian house. We've parented you. We've shown you the ways of God. We just pray that you follow Jesus, and that is not what I did my freshman year. I remember when I got to college, the first group of friends I met were not necessarily the best friends you want to have. I remember getting introduced to drinking for the first time ever, um, going to tailgates. After that, I just started going to clubs, sneaking into clubs, getting alcohol underage, and it was just something that I was just exposed to for the first time, because when you're at home, you're kind of like under, I guess, the mothering and the fathering of your parents, but when you're in college, it's like, whoa, like, Mm. there's just like all this stuff out there. So I just remember getting into drugs, too. I remember telling myself that I would never smoke, but somehow I ended up getting into drugs and it's like when you open yourself up to the things of the world you just start going down a path and I was really headed down a dark path. I remember meeting another group of friends and we started throwing these house parties in. There were like two, three, four hundred people in a in a small town house. I don't even wow. know how that was possible but I just remember police coming, fights, all these different things going on and I just remember thinking that like that was the life that I wanted to live because a lot of times you see like in videos and music videos and stuff like that, you see, oh, it's all about partying. It's all about smoking. It's all about girls. So that was the life that I wanted to live. And that's what I tried to find my identity. And I remember one night, this was one of the nights where I knew God was with me. And it's interesting because even through all of this, I still knew that God was with me. And I remember one night being so blackout drunk coming home and walking home, falling in the middle of the street, throwing up, not knowing even how we would get home. And all of a sudden, this man and woman, they just come out of nowhere and they just like pick me up. They help me. They walk me back to my dorm. And I just knew like that was a divine intervention. Like I knew that God had sent them to help me. And it was just little things like that where I was had the awareness of God, but I still kind of wanted to live my own life. And so I remember... My sophomore year, after my freshman year just being completely wasted and just drinking and parties and smoking and girls, my sophomore year started to get worse and worse and worse. Like I started going to more parties. Um, I started not going to class as much. I started hooking up with girls more. And I was just really down an even worse path than my freshman year. I remember one night that really woke me up to the reality of the sin and the things that I was living in one night, I remember it was December, and I was studying for an exam. And all of a sudden, I started to get this demonic attack. I started to get very, my vision was blurry. Um, I started hearing these voices inside of my mind. My heart started being super, super fast. And because I grew up in a Christian background, I was aware of like demons and stuff like that. But I didn't fully know exactly what was going on with me, if that makes sense. So I was sitting in this room studying for my exam, and this is happening to me. And at this point, I'm like, am I dying? Like, w- like w- what's wrong with me? And, you know, like when you get into a situation where, like, you realize, like, you need God, all of a sudden you're going to cry out to God. So I remember just crying out to God and just saying, Lord, like, help me, please. Like, I don't want to die yet. And it's crazy because when I asked then I told the Lord I don't want to die yet, it wasn't because I wanted to live for him. I just had my own selfish reasons why I wanted to keep living. So I just remember... After that, I, that opened up a dark season in my life where I just started battling severe anxiety, panic attacks. I started battling severe depression, and there was something in me that I knew was missing. Like I had everything physically, but something deep, deep down was just missing, and it was Jesus, and I didn't know it at the time. So I remember calling a couple of my brothers in christ a couple of my christian friends and just letting them know what was going on with me and they told me god's allowing you to go through a dark season because he's trying to show you something and i kept hearing people say the same thing over and over again and i was one of those people who was just very very stubborn like i had to hear something five times just to listen so i remember after hearing it over and over again i asked the lord i said okay god i'm in a dark place right now what do i have to do to get out and I remember after praying that, and it's so crazy how God would just answer prayers supernaturally. A couple of weeks later, a friend that I wasn't really close to invites me to a Bible studies. And I go to this Bible studies. And as I'm at this Bible studies, they're talking about people, they want to be leaders. And I don't know anything about the Bible. Why would I want to be a leader at a Bible studies, especially in college? And all of a sudden I hear this like inner voice tell me, raise my hand. And I'm like, where did that come from? And I hear a voice again in my inside of my spirit. Raise your hand. And I'm like, "No and i hear again raise your hand and i'm like no and i hear and i'm literally having this battle like people next to me in my seat probably think i'm crazy cuz i'm over here talking to myself
4: no no was this like an audible voice or it, is just something in your spirit no so this is, was
3: something that was just in, in inside of me yeah. mm, mm. so this is something that was just inside of me and i didn't know it was the Holy Spirit at the time but this voice was so it was like so overwhelming to the point where i was like okay i'm just going to raise my hand so i remember raising my hand and after raising my hand going up signing up to be a leader And I just remember after that, the Lord just started taking me through this process of teaching me about the Bible, teaching me about the word of God. And I remember after that happened, there was a shift that took place where the pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, that is when I really started to encounter the Lord. I remember being in my room by myself. And I just remember just reading the Bible. And I just remember reading and reading and reading. And it was literally coming to life. And I remember as I was in this season of just starting to encounter the Lord, truly just for myself, not because my parents told me to, not because a pastor told me to, but generally just because I wanted Jesus. I remember in this season, I started having these night encounters with the Lord. And I would read my Bible, I would say a quick prayer, and I would go to sleep. And this actually reminds me of the first angelic encounter that I ever had. And I remember in this encounter, I went to sleep And as I go to sleep, I'm in this dream and I see a man in a robe. And as I see this man in a robe, he kind of just has this heavenly presence about him. There's just, just heavenly, I guess, like presence. Like I could just tell that he was a heavenly being. So at this moment... I walk up to him and I just bow down and I start to worship him because I think it's Jesus. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is something heavenly. Like it must be Jesus. And as I start worshiping this, at the time I didn't realize it was an angel, but as I start worshiping this angel, the angel looks at me and says, do not worship me. I'm not Jesus. So when he says that, there's a seriousness that he says it with. And I'm like, okay, so this isn't Jesus, but like I know this person's here for a reason. So after this happens. This person, mind you, I'm in a house in this mm-hmm. dream where the angel is. So this angel begins to take me up the stairs. So as he takes me up the stairs, he takes me up the stairs, and then he disappears. And I'm in just in this encounter with God where I, didn't, I don't physically see God, but I'm aware that he's there. And as I'm in this encounter, the Lord starts just opening doors in this house. And I walk through this door, and then another door opens. And I walk through this door, and then stairs open. It's kind of like God is taking me kind of just through this puzzle, And after this happens, after about probably like 10, 15 minutes of me just going through all these doors, I finally end up in this room. And as I'm in this room, I just have a knowing that Jesus is about to walk in the room. But before he walks in, I wake up. And that was God's first first exposing me to the angelic, to the supernatural realm. And I remember after that, I went downstairs and I literally ran. I remember getting out of my bed, running downstairs and telling my parents, mom, 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 I just had this encounter where this man in white came to me. And I remember my parents would just kind of look at me like they were shocked. Like they knew about angels and demons and stuff like that, but they didn't really have a grid to measure what I was talking about because my brothers and sisters had never had anything happen like this. So I started telling them there was this man, it was this heavenly man, he was in a robe. And as I'm telling them, they kind of just look at me like they believe me, but they kind of can't offer me the help that I need. So at this moment, I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't something I'm supposed to talk about. Maybe this isn't something that's normal. So at this point, I guess I began to feel a little bit insecure about the encounters that I started having. So from that point on, I just began to keep these things to myself. But I remember one encounter that I had, that changed my life forever, and after this encounter, I was like, I have to talk to someone about this because this is getting too, too real. I remember it was a winter night in my dorm after I got back to school, and I closed my eyes, and as I closed my eyes, and it's, it's so crazy talking about this because this is actually the first time I've shared this publicly, and I feel like crying talking about this, but I remember. Um, closing my eyes and waking up and appearing in this place. I don't know if I was in heaven. I don't fully know exactly where I was, but I just remember seeing this bright, pure light. And this light was brighter than the sun. Like, I know that sounds crazy to hear because the brightest thing we have on this earth is the sun, but this light is so pure. It's so perfect. It's so holy and it's so bright. And as I see this bright light, like I immediately just like fall down on my knees. You know, like the Bible says when apostle John first saw Jesus, like he fell on his knees in revelations and that's exactly what happened to me. Like I literally fell down on my knees and it wasn't an involuntarily thing. Like it wasn't like a choice. Like I fell. like I got, it was like a magnet, like the weight of his glory really now that I'm thinking about it, what it really was pulled me to my knees. And as I'm on my knees, I'm just like, oh my goodness, like there's so many things racing through my mind, like is this really happening, like what what is happening? I see this man walk out of this pure light, and as as soon as this man walks out of this pure light, I know exactly who he is. Nobody has to tell me, there's no doubt in my mind. I know it's Jesus, Hmm. and I'm just like, oh my goodness, like I'm just in awe, like this is jesus and as i'm on the ground in this vision dream whatever you want to call it he starts walking towards me and when he walks towards me so most of my life i didn't really know what love was i always thought love was how well i did or or what my status was or how many followers i had but all of a sudden i see jesus and as he's walking towards me and this is so crazy because I don't fully know, I can't tell you exactly what he looks like, but when this happened to me, I knew exactly who he was, and it was Jesus. And as he's walking towards me, I'm on my knees, he walks a little bit past me. And as he walks past me in this encounter, I kind of begin to feel a little bit, it's almost as if he took me back to all the times I felt neglected, all the times I felt rejected, all the times I never felt accepted in my life. and. As he walks past me, I ask him a question, and I say, Lord, do you not love me? Because, because of the past that I had lived, it was very hard to understand that someone could love me after all of my mistakes. So I ask Jesus, and I say, Lord, do you not love me? And when this happens, mind you, he's walked past me at this point. He turns all the way around, looks at me face to face, and I wake up. And when I wake up, like, it just hits me, everything that happened. And I realized that, you know, and I, I, didn't, I don't have this huge speech about how he said, oh, I love you so much. I, I don't have that. He didn't say anything to me. But the look was enough. Just looking in his eyes face to face was enough. And I knew that not only God was real, not only how real he truly, truly was, but that he loved me. And that he genuinely did and after that that was something that really really set me on fire but i remember even after that i still for a long time couldn't really come out and tell anyone about it because i thought people would think i'm crazy or people wouldn't believe me about it and it wasn't until the holy spirit really started convicting me about it that i began to share it with a couple of my friends and they told me that you shouldn't keep this to yourself this is something that you should share with people and even after that i still didn't really want to share and i remember after this encounter The enemy would still attack me and put doubtful things in my mind like oh this isn't real you made this up and i remember after all of that season of the enemy attacking me i remember going back to sleep one night a couple months later and in a dream i see jesus again and i'm like okay at this point like this isn't made up like this is jesus and like he's trying to he's trying to he's doing this for a reason he's not just doing this for fun but he's doing this for a reason and he's placing a call over my life and honestly at that point I started to get very, very fearful because I knew that God was calling me to more than I had already been doing. But I just felt like, God, I can't handle this, God. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do the things that you're, you're, you want me to do. And I remember, too, about this second encounter with him. I just remember the color purple. And it's interesting that that's coming back to my mind now because purple a lot of times represents royalty. And after I came out of this second encounter, I remember falling on my face and just crying and just crying because I just realized how holy he was, how sinful I was as a person. And after that, that was something that really just shifted the way I looked at God. It shifted my walk with God. And it just made me even more bold just to want to go out and just to witness to people about Jesus. And I remember after that, this was really just a season of encounters. I remember one night. I was in my closet and I was praying and this tangible fire, not like a, not like a, you know, just like a picture, like a tangible fire comes into my closet and the way it went was I was, I closed my eyes, I was praying and as I was praying, my eyes were shut and I see this giant flame appear in front of me and it is so real to the point where I literally flinch, I fall back because I'm praying in my closet at this Mm. time, I literally flinch back hit my closet and like at that moment the encounter's over and i'm like did that just happen and that was truly my first encounter with the fire of god and after that i was and like just to clarify that
4: this was in real life this yeah this was, was in real a life vision it wasn't a dream yeah like- no no
3: this was real life like i like how i'm talking to you now like i was awake praying with my eyes closed and this tangible fire comes yeah in my room and it was just something that really just struck me because I was really seeing that, okay, God is really, really, really trying to wake me up. So at this point, I was like, I got to tell somebody about this. So I remember um, calling one of my mentors who lives in the UK, and I remember telling him about these encounters, and he told me that what was happening was actually normal and it was god just opening my eyes up to the spiritual realm and just preparing me for the supernatural and this really just led up to a season of just super supernatural encounters i remember another encounter that i want to share this was something that really really changed my life forever i remember hearing all these stories of people who went to heaven and hell and You know, I had had these encounters, of course, with angels, Jesus, and stuff like that, but I'd never had an encounter in heaven or house. So I remember just beginning to ask the Lord like, Lord, I want another encounter with you. And I'd prayed that for a while, and nothing happened. And I feel like sometimes we pray these prayers, and we don't think that God is going to answer, but it's in His perfect timing. Like, He's never late. He's always on time. In His perfect timing, He answered that prayer. And this was one of the most supernatural things that ever happened to me. I remember one night I went to sleep and it was it was actually a good Friday. I remember it was good Friday of this year. And as I went to sleep, I have this dream where I'm driving my car and as I'm driving my car I get into a car accident, right? So as I get into this car accident, it's kinda like a shift. It's kinda like a movie. Like you know like a movie like shift scenes. Yeah. So it switches. It shifts scenes, and now after this car accident, I'm in the hospital with my family. And as I'm in the hospital with my family, mind you, I'm this is I'm I'm sleeping while this is happening. My spirit comes out of my body, and as my spirit comes out of my body in the hospital, I'm aware that I'm still alive. I'm aware that I'm still me, but now I'm not in my body. And as my spirit comes in my body, I feel this magnet. This 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 power pull me down. So I begin to go down and I just begin falling through this like dark. The only way I can really describe it is a dark vortex. Imagine kind of like skydiving at nighttime without the fun. Mm -hmm. That's like the only way I can really describe this. And I start falling, 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 falling through this dark vortex and boom, I land in hell. And I know exactly where I am. I haven't known where I am. And in this encounter, I see these people in hell, and I have an understanding, it's kind of just like a knowing that these people aren't actual people, these people represent demonic forces. So as I'm seeing, as all this is happening to me, I'm just like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe this is actually happening to me. So after this, as this is happening to me, I wake up in the dream. So this is something that the Lord, and I know your your, your head just turned. This is something that the Lord will do a lot of times in these encounters to show me that it's not just me, that these are really from him. I wake up in the dream, yet I'm still dreaming. And as I'm dreaming in this dream, I tell my family, guys, I just had a dream. Mind you, I'm still dreaming. I had this dream where I went to hell. This place is real. God just took me to hell. And when I tell them, they just have this like look on their face, like, oh my goodness, like, this happened to you? So after that happens, I actually physically wake up. And when I wake up, the first thing I do, because in this dream I was talking to my mom, the first thing I do is I pick up my phone and I call my mom. And she answers on the first ring, which is, that in itself is just really was, I knew it was God because it was like a randomly in the middle of the night, like she shouldn't even be awake. But she answers the phone on the first ring and I tell her, mom, 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 I just had this encounter where the Lord just took me to hell. And at this moment, I just start, I just break down. I start crying and crying and crying, and there's just so like, so much weight that I'm feeling, and I'm just asking God, like, God, why, 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 did you, why did you show me this? And all of a sudden he reminds me, you prayed for this. And I remember before I even prayed for this, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you do something like this, I promise that I would tell every single person that I know that this place is real. So it just hits me, and it being Good Friday, the Lord, he's so strategic about everything he does. It being Good Friday, the Lord speaks to me and he says, this is why I came, so that people don't have to go to that place. Mm -hmm. So even after all this happens, I'm someone who, after I have these encounters, I always pray for a confirmation because the Lord will always confirm his word. So in like I said, when I woke up from this encounter, the first thing I did was go on Instagram stories and I didn't even care. I was crying. I just woke up. I probably had like, you know, like the little saliva you have on your face when you wake up. I had all of that on my face. I didn't care. So I start telling people on my story what happened to me. So after this happens, later I go on throughout my day. Mind you, the dream I had before as I went to hell was I got into a car accident, right? So I'm praying throughout my day, Lord, I just want confirmation, just to make sure that these encounters are truly from you, because I never want to say anything. That's not from you, Lord. so as i've been as I'm praying this, that same exact day I'm driving, and as I'm driving on the highway, this car fully comes into my lane and like sideswipes me like full on, like literally like it it literally like hits me. But it doesn't hit me to the point where like I swerve out of control. It kind of just like taps me. So after that happens, I pull off on the side of the highway, and I realize I just got into a car accident. And mind you, I've only ever been in two car accidents before, and that was one of them. I'm like, I just got into a car accident, and then it hits me. I just had a dream that I had mm-hmm. gotten into a car accident. So that was really just the Lord really just showing me and confirming to me that what happened was truly from Him. But even after all of this, even after I made that promise to the Lord, I still didn't talk about it. I made that Instagram video, and I made a little video on YouTube, but I still didn't really want to talk about it because it was something that, because no one wants to be known as, no one wants to be associated with this, Mm. oh, I'm the guy who went to hell. Like Nobody wants to be associated with that. So it was still something that I was just very hesitant to share. And I remember after that happened, a couple months later, and this is something the Lord would do is a lot of times if I ignore him on an encounter, he'll give me the same encounter again to show me that he's not playing around. Mm. So a couple months later, after I have this hell encounter, I'm sleeping. And as I'm sleeping, I have a dream again. And I'm driving my car again. This time I'm driving on a different road. And as I'm driving, I crash my car. And as I crash my car, the same thing happens again as the first encounter my spirit leaves my body again but this time there's no like pull there's no like descending I'm just as soon as I leave my body I'm in hell but this time different from the first time I feel intense heat the first time there was no heat I didn't feel flames I didn't feel any of that this time I feel tremendous heat to the point where it is unbearable Mm. and at this moment this was the first time I had an encounter with the audible voice of God Like, I'm not talking about a still small voice. I'm talking about the audible voice of God. And as I'm in this eternal place of torment, as I'm feeling all these different emotions, this this heat, all these different things, I hear the audible voice of the Holy Spirit speak to me. And he says, go and tell them to repent. And he says it again. Go and tell them to repent. And he says the same thing over and over and over again. And at this point, I'm just shocked because I understand who he is. I understand that this is God talking to me. And after he says it to me over and over again, he says it in such an angry voice too. And it's interesting because after I came out of this encounter, I couldn't fully tell you what he sounds like, but I knew that it was God talking to me. And as He's telling me this. After he tells me, go tell them to repent, go tell them to repent, go tell them to repent, my spirit comes back in my body. I continue the rest of the dream. I tell my friends, guys, I just had a dream. It's like the same dream as the first dream. I tell them, guys, I just had a dream where I went to hell and I heard the audible voice of God. And they look at me and they're shocked. And after that happens, I wake up. And I remember the first thing I did is I ran downstairs and I told my friend, I said, bro, God just took me back to hell again and he's not playing like, like he is serious about this. And it was something that really just took me back. I just remember just not knowing what to do after that because I had made that promise to God that I would share about it. But at the same time, too, like I just still feel kind of like I'm weird about these, 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 I'm weird. I feel weird having these encounters. So I remember calling my spiritual father and telling him about these, these encounters. And I remember him just you know, telling me it was okay, it was normal that God was exposing this to me for a reason. And I remember one day we were in a service and he called me up. He didn't tell me he was gonna do this. He called me up, told me to get on the mic and share my testimony and what happened to me. And I was just like, oh my goodness. But it was in that moment that the Holy Spirit took over and he spoke out of me and from then on, I knew that God was showing me this to warn my generation, because a lot of our generation doesn't believe in Jesus, they don't believe in the afterlife, they don't believe, and even Christians too, we don't, we we hear about heaven and hell, but a lot of times we don't really think about how real these actual places are, and that's why I'm here today. I believe God brought me to share all of this because he wants me to let people know that not only is it real from a Heaven and Hell perspective, but like how real the supernatural realm is and how as believers we all have access to that because of what Jesus has done. And that I pray that this video opens the eyes of people and that they see that not only is God real, but how personal he is and that he wants to encounter every single person in their own individual way. And it may not be the way that I had these encounters, but God has special encounters that he wants you to have with him.
4: Now, Andrew, for for people who are watching and, you know, want to have even that thirst or, or want to experience these things and, and they need some, you know, some exact things to do, what, what comes to your mind for that person who's like, man, I want that, I want to experience that, what can I do, what do you recommend I do, what can you tell that person?
3: Yeah, I would say um, one thing is, number one, God isn't always necessarily after us having these supernatural encounters, he's after intimacy, But from that place of intimacy opens that supernatural realm. So I would say for someone who is hungering and thirsting for more of encounters with God, I would say it all starts in the secret place. Everything encounters are built in the secret place. So I would say for that person... Build that intimacy with the Lord. You know, the Bible says you have not because you ask not. So sometimes a lot of times God is looking for us to ask, but he's also looking for us to have that intimacy with him. Because he's a supernatural God, he wants to encounter us in a supernatural way. Yeah. So by you building that intimacy, by you spending that time with him in his own way, he will reveal himself to you. So that's what I would say for anyone who wants and is longing for these encounters. And I want to let you know, too, like this is available to everyone like one thing that I've got from all these encounters that the Lord wants me to tell you watching this is that this is available to you. I hear the Lord saying that tell my people there's more, there's so much more for them. So
4: now, uh, how old did you say you were a uh, 21, 21? Yeah. So in, in your 21 years of, of life, what can you say Jesus has done for you?
3: Um, I would say he's completely changed my life. Um, he brought me from a place of brokenness, a place of, depression, a place of addiction, and he really just supernaturally, like, kind of like a Paul on the road to Damascus, he supernaturally just changed my life, and he's just done so much for me, and I'm just forever grateful for it, and he's just, he's given me hope, he's given me purpose, he's given me identity, and he's given me that fulfillment that I've always had been looking for that I couldn't find anywhere else.
4: What's going on, everybody? If you didn't know, we are right-
1: I can if you knew me then, you'd believe me now, you turn my whole life upside down, to the old and he made it new. that's just what power of his blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done. The and mercy and the power of
2: the blood. So much power in the blood.
1: Bing! Wasn't bad. blood.
2: This is Jesus in the Morning Radio, spreading the good news of Jesus.
0: God,
5: we're grateful,
3: because if it had not been for you, we would not
5: be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength in our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord we're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty and as we come before you today have your way Lord let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus for God in you is life and that's what we seek God life eternal life God We pray, O God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now, God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord, and we need to be fortified with your power. Thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us uh, than he that is within this world, God. Uh, We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, Uh, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, Uh, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, Uh, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Uh, Touch us on today, Lord. Uh, We need you like never before. Uh, Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, Uh, and give us a refill, Lord, Uh, that when we leave here today, Lord, we can leave with your anointing, Lord, that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We thank you because you are a healer. You're the God that heals these, and healing is in your wings, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. You're able to save our troubled souls, and in the name of Jesus, bind every demon, Lord, every demonic force, Lord, God, that comes to keep us in the same place, Lord. We're willing, God, to surrender and say yes to your will, Lord. We're willing to turn our lives, God, over into your hands, Lord. Because we come to the place, God, where we realize like never before, we need you, Jesus. More than anything we know, we need you, Jesus. While men are trying to find, God, solutions to this chaotic world, God, we're looking to You. Lord, because we know for every right desire, there is an answer, and Jesus, sure that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our trouble lies, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies,
1: Jesus. We know that you're able, God,
5: to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband, uh, you're able, Jesus, uh, to heal the cancer patient. Uh, nothing too hard uh, for you, Jesus. Uh, no other God we know. Uh, we know that you're able, Jesus. Uh, we know that you're able, Jesus. Uh, we say yes to your will, God. Uh, yes to your way, Lord. Uh, have your way, Jesus, uh, and we'll thank you for it, uh, and we'll give your name the praise, uh, and we'll bless you, Lord. Uh, yes, we thank you, Lord, uh, and we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some
1: praise."
6: And that night ended up being the most scariest night for me. Uh, you know, I ended up sleeping in my jacket and my hat and my gloves, and it was cold. I almost felt like there was like fingers kind of touching my body. I remember it being dark and I'm looking up, I could see like two eyes looking back down at me.
0: Mm.
6: And I just remember thinking like, I can't live like this. And so I, I ended up praying, I actually said, cause I remember what my parents told me, all those years ago that you got to stay Buddhist and and I say God if you're real and you want me to do this then you gotta help me with my parents my name is Apisit Varia, but I go by I like the letter I am 42 I work at NIH as a contracting officer
4: I do you come from a religious background yes I grew up uh, Buddhist and that comes from generations, just your family? or Yeah,
6: I, uh, I'm Thai, Thai-American. Uh, so my parents are from Thailand. And if anyone knows anyone who's Thai, 95% of the population is, is Buddhist. Mm. So naturally, I grew up that way here, being in America, still uh, having the same values that my parents instilled in me.
4: Mm. So, so where does your story start?
6: yeah I mean, like I said, growing up here, um, born born here and raised here, my parents had emphasized in me a young age, at a young age that um, you know to be Thai, uh, even living here in the states, we have to keep our Thai identity, so we have to stay Buddhist. I remember hearing that at a at an early age, and so I just you know just ran with it, I went with it, and we would my brother and I, who's two years younger, we would go to the temple. On Sundays and during the summer, to learn the Thai language, but also incorporated in that was learning Buddhism. Mm. So I grew up that way, and it was just normal for me, natural for me. Uh, it wasn't until about I was about 12, my brother being 10, that we started uh, having our own kind of supernatural experiences in in our home. Uh, by supernatural, I mean hearing voices, uh, calling our name, uh, doors. Clothing by themselves, and to the point where, you know, my brother and I would approach our parents. But of course, at that age, they wouldn't believe you. Uh, They they thought we maybe we had too much candy, or maybe we uh, had watched some scary shows. So at that age, my brother and I had to comfort one another. So when things happened to him, he would come tell me, and when things happened to me, I would go talk to him. And for myself, I remember that. Because of all these things, I knew that the reality wasn't just the physical world that we see. I knew that there was something more than that. And being raised Buddhist, I sought answers through Buddhism. Hmm. the The strange thing is that I had asked uh, one of the monks at at the at the Buddhist temple uh, about God, and then he told me that there is no God in Buddhism. Essentially, traditional Buddhism. I came from a Theravada Buddhism background, and what they what they teach, what Buddha taught, is essentially a way to make it through life with, without suffering or with minimal suffering. Mm. Uh, Buddhism acknowledges that suffering, and there's things that Buddha taught to minimize that suffering in your life. Some of these things were based on attachments, so not being uh, attached to things because things are impermanent, right? Things were going to go away, so if you attach them, and when they're gone, you're gonna you're gonna suffer. So mm it's more like a philosophy or a way of life that that you can live your life in that way and to minimize the suffering
0: mm.
6: now that's in a nutshell the, the traditional Buddhism that I learned but what I understood and saw at, at the temple was there was kind of this spirituality that came with it and I didn't learn till later but there's a term for it called folk Buddhism which means that uh, Buddhism the traditional Buddhism mixed with the local religion in Thailand or wherever buddhism had traveled so in thailand there was a lot of animism you know spirits you know in 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 nature in the trees in the rocks things like that um and then when buddhism came it kind of just incorporated with the local animism that was there Mm. so if you go to thailand today you'll see a lot of you know spirit houses shrines you know they'll almost make offerings to to these spirits as a way of appeasement, you know, if I if I offer you this thing, then I won't you won't bother me, mm. you know. If I if I show you respect, then maybe you'll bless me. So this kind of mixed in uh, spirituality with it. So there, in folk Buddhism, there is an acknowledgement of the spiritual world, and so this is the kind of Buddhism I grew up in, and uh, I learned and I practiced, you know, with the meditation. I would also do the the bowing three times and the mm. prayers, and it wasn't until college where I went to a university in Maryland, Baltimore County, and it was here that I first heard about Jesus. And coming from a Buddhist background, and just knowing that, hey, I'm Thai, I gotta be Buddhist. You know, I would I would hear about Jesus, but then I would also tell people about Buddha.
0: Hmm.
6: Um, you know, sometimes it'd be friendly conversation, sometimes it'd be friendly debate, but essentially, uh, I was adamant like I will never become a Christian. You know, I'm gonna stay Buddhist. Uh, I didn't see that Buddhism was lacking anything, so there's no need to change, and it was enough for me. And despite this kind of resistance, I remember clearly a friend of mine, we were just sitting in the car, and I knew that she sincerely meant what she believed. And she told me, again, a, a gospel story, but this time I I really listened, I paid attention, because I knew that the way she was sharing it, the way she approached it, that she was sincere that she really thought that this Jesus is someone
4: I needed do you remember what was it about what she was saying that connected with you like it, specifically yeah um i want to know i want to say
6: that there was something sp- specific, but I think what made the impression on me was that genuine care mm. so that uh, that genuine care broke down whatever walls I had of like while you're talking i'm going to get ready to talk about buddhism right so i kind of said okay well you approaching me very like humbly and gently and, and we're already friends and it wasn't in a combative way so my guard was down mm-hmm. and i i heard the gospel story about you know my uh, how jesus loves me you know how he died for my sins on the cross you know, that he rose again and and that uh, he wants a relationship with me you know so she she shared it you know simple gospel presentation but you know at the end I said thank you for sharing Jesus with me uh, let me tell you about Buddha so I ended up telling her about Buddha anyway but that was the first time I remember actually the this the story or the understanding of who Jesus is really kind of made its first kind of impact in my into my mind um, and I kind of kept it on the back burner you know I was invited to church after that and sometimes I would visit um, but never never really to really seek out jesus it was more just my friends invited me so i'm gonna go
4: Hmm. and 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 at this time too like what do you remember of your thoughts about jesus like what what were you thinking as you were hearing like jesus's name
6: yeah i you know it's 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 interesting so i almost thought of it like it was a a western religion maybe right Mm -hmm. so it was uh you know this is Buddhism uh, is something that you know. I, in my mind, all ties were, were Buddhist, and so I have to represent. I have to, you know, um, stay in stay in this um, religion and this faith. And when I'm hearing about Jesus, there was there was no incentive for me to you know, believe what they were saying because you know it's almost like, it almost sounded the way it was shared to me it was very like exclusive. You need you need to you need to have Jesus. Mm. And for me, that was, as a Buddhist, it's, Buddhism is in general, Buddhists are very open, like to, you know, hearing about other religions and even trying to incorporate, you know, this, uh, the ideas in your faith and try to see how they, how they uh, are similar and things like that. But when, when someone was like, you know, it has to be Jesus, he's the only way. And for me, that was like, well, you're a little bit close-minded. It was interesting because in my mind, even though I knew traditional Buddhism has, had no spirituality, component but maybe because of the folk buddhism background i almost thought of buddha and jesus as like similar right like there there are different ways to a higher power i i think i did believe in god at the time but almost like it wasn't a focus you know and and uh i would occasionally like pray to the the buddha statue Mm. you know as if it was god God, you know asking for things and praying for protection and things like that. So there was this kind of understanding that Buddha, there's a spiritual power behind it, right? And even though it, traditionally, like I said, there is no, but that's how I thought of it. So it was almost as if, well, Jesus is not, maybe that's your way to connect with God, or I didn't think too much of it at that point. Uh, around the same time as I'm, you know, in college, and I I started experiencing some symptoms of of depression and also what was diagnosed as OCD um, obsessive compulsive disorder so the the way it manifested itself for me at the time was i would keep having to repeat things uh, whether it be like an action or or a thought in my head until i felt peace and it was almost like a thought or a voice saying if i don't if i if you don't do x then something bad could happen to a loved one if you don't scream at the top of your lungs down this hallway, then something bad's gonna to happen to your mom. For example, this is an example. And you know, occasionally I would be able to resist and forget about it. Other times it would just be so so much anxiety that I just ended up giving in. Just just in case something weird or bad happened to my loved one, I would just give in. Anyways, this couple with the depression led me to seek help. So I went to the school counselor. And they had referred me outside of the university because they said it was a little bit more serious than what they're used to. So I sought um, help outside from therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and this is something I battled for years. Um, and it was it was very difficult to to, to try to finish, to try to do school, and eventually get a job and, and maintain that job while wrestling with all these thoughts and depressions. It, it was tough, and I remember. Going from therapist to therapist, psychiatrist to psychiatrist, and at the at the peak, it was about 12 pills a day that I had to take, and I just knew that that was too much. I had to I had to come back off of it, and 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 something had to change. I couldn't imagine my future like this. If if I'm like this at my early 20s, how am I going to live the rest of my life? So I just, you know, I sought help medically, but I also dove even deeper into Buddhism. So, you know, meditation at home, you know, um, studying prayers, things like that, and, um, you know, going to the temple to, to pray in the evenings with the monks, uh, it, it pushed me that way. And what, what I realized internally was that while Buddhism acknowledges that suffering that's in the world, for me, it almost didn't provide a solution, a hope. It was almost a survival mentality Like, yeah this world is full of suffering and here's you know if you don't get attached to things and and you know you pray you, you meditate you'll 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 be able to navigate this life with less suffering and then in the next life you might be born again in a better situation and for me that was that was not enough of a solution to give me hope you know it was almost like a yeah it was like a survival mentality and mm. It was a route when I was 25 where I went to a, a, new, a new therapist. And at the first interview, they, they tell me up front, this is, a Christian, this is a Christian facility. Are you okay with that? And at that point, I was so desperate. I was so um, hurting, so lost that I said, that's fine. I just didn't care. And I remember every time we would meet, uh, the therapist would ask, is it okay if I pray for you? And I said, okay, each time. Now I never made the connection um, between the prayer, but I remember this is the last therapist I ever saw. Uh, after meeting with with this therapist, things did improve for me, um, and I never I never had to go back. And eventually, I got off the pills. And so after around 25, I was I thought that you know life is manageable now. It wasn't as bad as earlier. I still had I still had some of the symptoms, but um, it was yeah I could handle it, and even some of the spiritual occurrences that I experienced when I was young they were still they still occurred throughout my life but it was never as frequent as when I was young uh, young teenagers years uh, so I thought, okay well this is a, this is the way forward at least you know I can I can survive this way now it wasn't until I was 30 that I went back to school for for my graduate degree so I went to University of Maryland College Park and I remember doing doing my studies I would be at, I would I was at home one day and I was studying in my brother's room, and as I was studying, you know, I got hungry, so I decided to go upstairs to get some food. And after after getting the food, I, I walked back to my brother's room. And as I walked down to to his room, I see uh, a shadow figure, kind of walk walk past the light, so that I could see, you know, the the outline of the arms and the legs and the head. And I thought I literally thought someone was in the room, maybe my dad or someone had gotten in the room. And I go in there and, and there was no one there. And so I, I, I paused for a moment and I, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Cause I had always uh, heard things or maybe felt things, but I've never actually seen anything with my eyes. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time seeing things. Anyways, I went back to studying and it stuck with me. So on the weekend I ended up going to the temple and talking to one of the monks. As I'm talking to him, I tell him what happened. And he tells me, you know, there are spirits that are in this world, and sometimes it's because the spirit of the person couldn't move on to their to their next life. Mm. And I asked, you know, okay, so what am I supposed to do? And he says, well, the reason that their spirits can't move on is because they haven't, they don't have enough merit. Um, in Thai, we call it buden. And essentially, in, the spirit needs more merit to move on. So I said, okay, well, okay, now what, what should I do? Uh, is there anything I can do? And then the monk said, "Well, you can share your merit with the spirit, and you know I trust him so I said, okay how can i how can I do that so he he tells me to go back to my house and and meditate, and then while I'm meditating, just share your merit with the spirit right so i I, I go back home uh, i'm I'm back in my brother's room and i'm I'm meditating, and as I'm meditating I, I i feel there's something that in enters the room right it gets a little bit cold and so I said, okay, I think something's here. So I I just said, hey, like I'm gonna share my merit with you. After I said that, I felt like the cold kind of come in my body, and so I, I was like, okay, something's wrong. So I go to I go to my parents and I I asked them if they were cold, and they said no. Uh, and so I knew I knew at that point, okay, well something's wrong. And you know, for the next two weeks, I'm constantly cold. I I would be wearing my jacket and hat, gloves indoors. You know, granted, it was it was around February at that time, but when I was indoors, my friends would be in their T-shirts and shorts because the heat's on. But I would still feel cold. I would still feel as if someone left the door the window open and there's like a draft constantly for two weeks. And on top of that, you know, strange things happened in the house. I would start seeing kind of things and, and sensing there's something like watching me. And so I was, although I was 30 at that point, I, I was scared to stay at home. So I ended up packing a bag and, uh, staying at my friend's apartment near college park, and I just spent the nights on his couch uh, while I was going to school uh, That was until I saw that shadow figure pass by in his in his place like along the wall And I was like, okay, something's following me now.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: I knew I knew Something was following me and I was like, "I don't want to put this on my friend <laughs> like whatever it is I don't want it to bother my friend and his roommate so I end up packing my things again, and I, I go to the temple uh, I knock on the door around 10:30 at night, and uh, the monk lets me in, gives me a room. And in the morning, he sits with me, and we do. He does uh, some Buddhist rituals with me, some prayers, and some offering of uh, gifts. I guess it's almost like an appeasement to the spirit. And uh, you know, he says, if it doesn't stop, just come back. Okay. So a few days later, I come back. It hasn't stopped. You know, we sit, we talk, and uh, he told me you know, some people just have a weaker mind. They're more affected by, you know, spiritual things like this. And so for me, it almost sounded like there's nothing, there's nothing else to be done. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, you just have a weaker mind. And so for me to hear that, I was very distraught. Um, I started feeling hopeless. What am I gonna do? I remember, you know, coming out of class at 10 at night and walking to my car and just thinking, I'm in trouble. Like, what's going to happen? I didn't see, like, what's the way forward for me? I'm 30, but I'm like, again, like, how can I, how can I live like this? And so I, I was distraught. I, I get to the car. I turn on the car. And then the radio comes on. And as the radio comes on, there, there's a preacher or a pastor on my radio. And I was surprised because at that point, I was listening to, you know, hip hop stations or, you know, top 40 and things like that. And I was like, why is there a preacher on my radio? And I remember thinking to myself, well, if this is a sign from God, I'm going to listen and, and see what what it's going to say. So I, I, I sat in my car, I listened. And what the preacher said was, well, he started with a question. Do you ever feel like you're in the middle of the ocean and there's waves hitting you from every direction? And I was thinking, yeah, that's kind of how I feel right now. And, and he said, do you ever wonder why God would put you in this situation or allow you to be in this situation? And I said, yeah. And then he, he says, sometimes God will allow you to be in those situations so that the waves will push you closer to him. Mm-hmm. And so I took that as a, as a sign and I said, okay, if I'm going through all this craziness that I could meet God, then I will go check out church on Sunday. So Sunday comes around, I, I go back to my friend's church who had invited me 10 years ago. I just show up. I didn't tell him I was coming. You know I go and I sit in the back corner I wasn't there to socialize I wasn't there to see anyone and and as I'm sitting there they begin the the worship where they start singing and I remember I just started tearing started bawling and I was trying to do it covertly so I was kind of covering my face and I didn't know why I just almost felt like I was stuff was bottled inside me for so long and then when the worship began I just it just came out so you know worship ends and The pastor begins his sermon and what he is preaching on is demons and he was describing you know if if there's demonic activity around you this is what you might feel you might feel this cold breeze and things like that and i was like what he's describing is what i'm going through right now and this is crazy like i was just in shock almost like this is what i'm going through and at the end they they close in worship again i'm tearing i'm bawling and uh, my friend though the same friend who who saw me? Who shared the gospel with me like 10 years ago, she she saw me and she said, I was wrong. And I said, I, I'm going through something right now. I can't talk about it. The only one I told this whole time was the monk. No one else knew because I thought it sounded crazy. So she said, fine, would you at least come up and get prayer? And so I said, sure, I'll do that. I go up to the front, there's a couple of pastors and people there waiting to pray for people who ever wanted to pray, who ever wanted to get prayer. And, uh, you know, they asked me, how can we pray for you? And I gave them like a little snippet of what I'm going through, not, not going into any kind of detail, but they knew, especially with the sermon being what it was that day. And uh, I remember one of the pastors said, look, we can pray for you and you may feel better, but the only way to be truly free is if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I said, no, I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm Buddhist. And then he said, okay, well, that's fine. You know, we're just going to bless you. So they pray for me. After prayer, I felt, I felt better. I did feel like almost like lighter. And so I said, well, maybe it's gone. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back home, spend the night at my house. Mm-hmm. And that night ended up being the most scariest night for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I ended up sleeping in my jacket and my hat and my gloves, and it was cold. I almost felt like there's like fingers kind of touching my body. I remember it being dark, and I'm looking up. I could see like two eyes looking back down at me.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: And I just remember thinking, like, I can't live like this. And so I I ended up praying. I actually said, I remember what my parents told me all those years ago, that you gotta stay Buddhist. And and I said, God, if you're real and you want me to do this, then you gotta help me with my parents. So it was the next day, Tuesday morning, before they went to church, I went to work. I went up to them and I said, look, can I talk to you guys before you guys head out? And they said, sure, what's going on? And I said, hey, I'm going through something right now. Um, It's been really tough. And they knew because I'm their son, they knew I was stressed about something, not knowing what it was, and they said, "Sure, how uh, what is it?" you know And I said, "I think I found something that can help me, and it's religion." And they said, "Sure, which one?" And I said, "Christianity." And they said, "Well, if you think that's going to help you, then then go for it." And I was a little I was like a little thrown back that was so simple. I ended up going to the, that pastor's house. He doesn't. He's he's basically my neighbor. So I walk to his house, and you know I sit in his in his kitchen, and he tells me the gospel again. After hearing my story, he tells me the gospel. Tells me about Jesus, and he asked me, you know, do you want to do you want to follow him? Do you do you want him in your life? And I said yes. I remember he he was like, okay, I'm going to lead you through a prayer, All right? And I I remember at that moment before I was going to pray, I almost felt I almost heard like. Not audibly, but I heard uh, a growl, almost like a urr, uh, right? Mm. He leads me through the prayer, and I'm I'm praying along with him, and you know I leave his house. As I leave his house, I'm just thinking, well, I guess I'm a I'm a Christian now. I still have to go to school, so I drive to the the library at Maryland, and I'm studying. And I remember feeling electricity, like electricity. Like almost like a like electrical feeling going through my feet, and I'm like, okay, well, what is this? So I try to I try to get it to stop, and it wouldn't stop, and I, I was just like, okay, I'm done.
2: Like
6: if this is if I'm gonna if I'm getting possessed right now, then I'm gonna get possessed right now, right? So it's it's it doesn't stop, and it's slowly going up my leg. Um, but the interesting thing is, everywhere it passed, everywhere below it, it was warm now. So I was like, well, at least it's warm. So I just I just go with it right so I I end up going to the my night class it's about 9 p.m. at night and the tingling is up here now it's like tingling and I'm just feeling warm and the moment the tingling gets to the top of my head the lights in the in the lecture hall turn off and on three times so it's like on off on off on off and the teacher the professor stops teaching and he's like whoa there's like a ghost in here and everyone starts laughing but I'm like oh it's you know it's it's probably me it's probably because of me and i said oh, well i don't know what's going on right now but i feel good i feel warm i feel light and so after class i'm i'm walking i'm walking to uh, my car and i end up calling my friend uh who i was staying on, the friend who i was staying on the couch with and i said hey i'm going to come over and hang out with you for a bit and he says well maybe you shouldn't come over there's no there's no power here and then at that moment I heard like a different voice, another voice in my in my mind saying if you go to his place the power will come back on. And I was like, well, this has been a weird enough day, so I'm just going to I'm going to go and I said, "Hey, I'm coming over anyway, so I'll see you there." Now, the interesting thing is for the past 2 weeks, not only was it cold, but whenever I'd be driving, whether it's like on a highway or street, there's the street lights. And so when I passed a street light, the lights would turn off. Not every single one, but for me enough for me to know that this is not normal. Like I would drive and it would turn off, drive and turn off. And so with with that happening, I remember like, okay, well, I'm going to my friend's house whose power is, is, is off at this point. And so I'm, you know, the street lights are out, and I pull into the apartment complex. And as I pull into the apartment complex, all the lights in the in the facility turn on. And so I was like, wow. So I walk in and I say, hey, what's going on? And he said, the power went off three different times. And it came on when you got here, and I was like, "Wow, what is going on?" And I was just a little bit in shock, amazed. But I ended up talking to my my pastor, the one who led me through the prayer. And I talked to my pastor, and I tell him what had occurred that day that I accepted Christ. I told him the story, and I and I was like, "What's going on?" And he says, "Well, that well, when you when you accept Christ, when you accept Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit." God Spirit comes to live in you, and, I, and that was the warmth that you felt coming in and pushing whatever it was out. And I was like, wow, okay, you know, so maybe that's what's going on. And I remember waking up, you know, in the morning, and it was as, as if my whole life I was wearing sunglasses, and the sunglasses were just lifted off. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the most beautiful morning I've ever seen in my life. Like, the sun was out, the birds were chirping, and I was like, this is amazing and i remember sitting in my car and it 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 really clicked it hit me like, my goodness jesus is real jesus the one they told me about 10 years ago or is real and i'm like god sees me right now and god is with me right now mm-hmm. and i almost like started like hyperventilating and i was like and i was just tearing cuz it, it just hit me in, the, in in the car it just hit me and i was like wow so from that moment on I was like I have to know who I have to know I have to know who you are God like I I feel like I need to know you. And so I I pursued him since then and just I, was like, I I need to learn more about who you are and you know you saved me and I need to I need to understand you so I can appreciate you and I remember asking God I was like why did I have to go through all that right like why couldn't you have saved me when I was 18, yeah. you know, before I had to go through all the depression and OCD and things like that. And, and then I remember God spoke to me and he said, I can use all that simply as I can use all that. And, and since that time I've come to see like, okay, well, you know, all those things I went through, even talking to psychiatr- psychiatrists and therapists, and when, even when I meet someone now who's going through that, it's not weird to me, you know, cause I've been through it, you know, and. Even people who share their spiritual stories with me about, you know, crazy things happening in the house, I'm not surprised or not confused by it because I've been through it and I can see what God meant. Like He can use all that, so I can relate now. And though it wasn't easy, it was. I can see how God can use the tough things that we've been through to help to help others yeah. go through who are going through it. You know what I what I would want to say is that, you know, the, just the same questions I was I was thinking when I was in my mid twenties, like, how can, where's the hope, you know, where's the hope for my future? Where's the thing, the better day that I can look forward to. And, and I didn't know what it was until Jesus, right. Until I'm meeting, until meeting God, where there is a purpose for my life. There is something greater than, than me just going to school and getting a job and getting married, having kids and, and then dying. I mean, they're all good things, but I'm just like, there has to be more to life you know there has to be more and I didn't know what that more was until meeting Jesus and so what I would say to people you know who are watching this is that you know oftentimes we we feel like when we're comparing ourselves to other people that we're generally good people right have we haven't killed anybody you know well most people haven't killed people and so I'm generally good and maybe I think I'll go to heaven right but what what I've learned that's just different because even in Buddhism, it was, that, it was that way. I would think of it as a scales, right? If I do more good than bad, then it'll tilt my way, and then I'll, I'll either be born again in a better life or I'm going to heaven, right? Mm-hmm. But if there was a judge who's a good judge, who's a, a fair judge, and they, they had some, someone in their courtroom who, who is a doctor, and, and the doctor may have saved hundreds of lives during their career, and then one day, maybe they had too much to drink, and they they hit somebody with their car, and that person dies. The doctor goes before the judge and says, like, hey, um, I've saved hundreds of lives. I've only killed one person. You know, that good judge wouldn't be just if they just said, okay, yeah, you're right, you're you're free to go, right? You've saved you've saved 100, you killed one, you're free. Like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be just. And if we think that way with a, an earthly judge. Then we have to think that way how much more with the ultimate judge which is which is God if he's just and fair he's not going to be able to say like oh well you've done more good than bad so you're good you're, you're welcome to come to heaven with me right there has to be a uh, payment an at atonement for what you've done wrong and th- the fact is we can't pay for it ourselves you know nothing we nothing good we do can erase the bad and that's why Jesus sent his own son who lived a sinless life he never did any sins and He took our punishment, what was meant for us on that cross. That's why he died on the cross. And it wasn't just that he died, but he rose again from the dead, defeating death, defeating sin, defeating the devil. And because of what he did on the cross, he's able to forgive us. He's able to say, you know, your sins are covered. I've paid for it. It's almost like someone paying your bail, right? Like you're in jail and someone comes and pays for your bail and you're free to go. The justice is still there. The love is there. And because someone actually paid for what you did wrong, that justice is served. God is a God of love and justice. And so I would just encourage you to, to look into it, to put your trust in Jesus. You know, he loves you. He's ready to forgive you. It's a free gift. You just have to accept it. And that's my sincere prayer, you know, for anyone watching this who doesn't yet know. Just if you're not sure, look into it. You know, what I don't want is, you know, we, we, we invest in our future all the time, right? Like we... We, we look we research the colleges that we want to go to we try to find the best job we we have a retirement plan right but then when it comes to what happens after death we don't a lot of people don't think about it they are just I'm gonna live my life but why I mean I would think that that's the most important thing we should look into right so at least look into it explore it see if it makes sense right and if and if it does put your trust in him
4: did your parents ever come to follow Jesus?
6: You know, that's, that's a good question. So um, not yet. You know, I am praying for them every day and my, my brother. Um, as far as I know, I'm the only one in my family right now who is a follower of Christ. Um, you know, the interesting thing is that culturally, a lot of people can relate to this, but I remember, you know, they were okay with me accepting Christ. Yeah. And then two weeks later, it was an interesting conversation, almost like they thought I wasn't serious. So they were like, "Oh, you." Because I ended up, what what had happened? I gave all my Buddhist things back to my parents.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, you know, I was like, I thought it was disrespectful to just throw it in the trash. So I said, "Here, like, I'm a Christian now, and I want to give this back to you." And I think that they, that showed them that I was really serious. So they're like, "Oh, you're really serious about this." And they started asking me difficult questions, like, "Well, you know, you're the oldest son, so who's going to take care of those religious rites when we die?" And I'm like, and I don't know how to answer that. I'm like. Mom, dad, I don't know. I just all I know is that I got to follow Jesus, right?
4: now what what do you what do you mean by who's going to take care of this religious right? Yeah, now? so what it
6: what is like is at least in 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 Thai Buddhist traditions, when someone passes away, they do like a ceremony, like a merit making for that person who passed on. So mm. it's kind of like um I would go to the temple and like serve the monks food and donate money donate um supplies and almost like the the thinking is because of the good things i'm doing in in your behalf then you get these blessings in the next life and so almost like who's going to do these things for us right i was like i don't know I, i don't know i'm sorry and i remember i remember praying so hard to god and i was like lord like please save them please save them and and this is, I remember this is one morning I was actually at my my friend's apartment. I was praying, I was like, Lord, please save my my parents. Please save my brother. And and then I, I heard a question that didn't make sense at the time, but it was like, do you love me more than you love your parents? Hmm. And I was like, because my parents were like number one, right, So I was like, I'm not gonna ignore that. Maybe that's the demon again. So I'm just gonna ignore that question. And again, like throughout the day, do you love me more than your parents? And I was like, I'm not gonna answer that question. And then until at nighttime, I was, you know, praying at my bed before I went to bed, went to sleep. And again, it's like, do you love me more than you love your parents? And I was like, oh, my goodness. I was like, okay, if you're going to make me answer this, I'm I'm a little bit upset. But if you're going to make me answer this, then yes, God, I love you more than I love my parents. And I felt horrible saying those things, but I was like, I love you more. And then I heard him say, don't you know I love your parents more than you do? And I was like, whoa. So like, I didn't expect that. And I was like, wow. So I will still pray for my parents and my brother every day. But it's it's not the same type of prayer. Almost like I'm pleading with God, like, please save them. Please save them. Because I'm praying from a perspective that I know he loves them already
0: Mm. and that
6: he wants to save them. I'm still praying for them, but not in the same manner. And I think God was teaching me that. I don't think I don't care about your parents and you have to beg me to care about them. It's not like that. So
4: I think that's what I took away from that. Any last words that you may have for people watching?
6: No, just put your trust in Christ. Like it's not gonna disappoint you. That's all. Yeah.
7: You've heard the words since you were in Sunday School. You have heard these professors remind you of them, both in words of warning as well as words of encouragement, and maybe even a few testimonies. A counselor, a friend, a minister of music. Whatever capacity you'll serve in, on mission field or here at home, you'll use these two words. And they are, trust God. Two single-syllable words that you have heard forever, but you will discover as time passes how difficult they are to obey. Trust God. Of course, I have no way of knowing what the future holds for you. You may lose your home and everything in a fire. You may lose your spouse to an early disease detected but not cured. You may lose your dreams, your hopes. You may lose a relationship that you have cultivated over the years all losses are painful and you will be brought back over and over again to the words of proverbs chapter three verses five and six i know i know you memorized them in vacation bible school or when you were growing up at the knee of a godly mother and or father And your lips will move, as I quote them, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. All your heart, all your ways, trust trust. Now, we have a problem with this because of several things. First of all, we are too blame self-sufficient. We have learned how to get ourselves out of jams rather than acknowledging the jam has very well been either directed or permitted by our sovereign God to teach us. And by not trusting him, we short-circuit the test and go our own way, getting ourselves out of our own mess. We're too self-sufficient. Another reason we fail this test is because we're too quick to call on others. We have a lot of very capable friends. As life unfolds and you leave this school and you're involved in your church, your work of ministry, your realm of responsibility, you'll meet other people, many of them much smarter than you are, most of them richer than you are, better connected than you are. And some of them will become good friends, and they will become your crutch. They have connections. And when you're up against it, they will, they'll get you through it. Another reason we don't trust is because we feel distant from the God of heaven. Don't feel too guilty about that. So did Job, as godly as he was. And yet Job said, in the midst of all of the loss, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Though he take me off this earth in the process, I leave trusting him. I will trust him. The fourth reason I would name is that we have cultivated the bad habit of worry. Uh, Many of you are much better at worrying than you are at trusting. If you were to put together a worry list, it would outrun your prayer list. And you're worried right now about something. Most likely, it's related to something about your schoolwork. Some course, some class, some test. Or maybe your finances. You don't have enough money. I'll give you a word of encouragement. You'll never have enough money. So you're worried now you're getting good at it so you can carry that with you when you graduate because you won't have enough money then. So you're worried about that. And you do not trust God. See how practical it is? And if you think you're going to outgrow the problem, take it from this old guy today, you won't ever outgrow it. It's like lust. You never outgrow lust. You just learn to fake it. I remember attending a Navigator conference when Lauren Sandy was president. We were at Glen Erie and they had a returned missionary, I think an 87, 88-year-old gentleman who um, uh, Lauren brought up to the platform, and he was a longtime Navigator, and Lauren said, Tell me, Dr. So-and-so, when did you conquer lust the old man said well Warren hasn't happened yet you'll never conquer worry it's part of the flesh you want to but the only way you will get through it so that you will learn from the test is to trust trust, to put the worry on hold, to set it aside, deliberately shoving it away and saying, God, at this moment, I rest in you and you alone. If you're married, God, help my spouse and me to trust you to lean on you, to wait on you, to listen to you, to endure the test with you. I put together a quick list of things that reveal how little we trust. When you choose to, to worry, you do not trust. When you try to fix what is impossible, you do not trust. When you hurry ahead and don't wait for the Lord to to move and to change, you, you do not trust. When you lie awake twisting and turning at night, you do not trust. When you doubt biblical principles and promises that are right here in the book you love and study, you do not trust. When you turn to others first, for help you do not trust when you listen to human counsel and give a higher priority to that than the principles you have just learned you do not trust when you manipulate and maneuver situations you do not trust when you step in and take charge without praying and being led by the spirit of god you do not trust When you cling to others in order to feel secure and needed and loved, you do not trust. The list goes on and on. See how easy it is to live in the flesh. How easy it is to disobey trust in the Lord with all your heart. Wouldn't it be a great project over the Christmas season this year to think through Ways that you can begin to trust God regardless. Hopefully it'll be a project that you and a good friend or you and your mate can enter together. What is it we do that keep us from trusting God? And how can we break that habit and watch God break through in ways that we would never have expected. Cynthia and I have a longtime friend who was raised with four brothers in Southwest Texas. They were raised on a very poor uh, ranch, they eked out a living. One of the brothers wound up getting into Baylor, going on to UCLA Law School and earning his degree in law, and has since become a very fine attorney in the Southern California area. We've been friends since the mid-1970s. One of his four brothers stayed at the ranch and developed it, cultivated it. The other brothers moved away, as did our friend. And the one who stayed along with his wife really turned the ranch into something much more successful. grew crops that worked, got cattle, bred them, sold them, little by little, kind of got on their feet, and finally became pretty much financially stable. Then the fires of 2011 across Texas swept through their area, and they came to that ranch. By now, they knew they would lose all all the cattle. They simply opened the gate and amazingly those animals know where to go usually know where to go to find shelter and safety and they fled hundreds of them and they barely left unable to get anything much of anything in their pickup and they drove away came back a number of days later when allowed to enter this territory and uh, everything was melted. Even the metal roof on the shed, on the barn, had melted down and sort of peeled its way over, and and what it landed on, it kind of was that metal profile. Everything is lost. All possessions, all pictures, thankfully no lives. Strangely, the cattle got back and were clustered around in a herd around an enormous oak tree, and they were able to, to get them back. Of course, the fence had burned, so that has to be rebuilt. And they said to one another, we realize at that moment our faith would either kick into action or we would move far away from the God we had loved and served. They chose the former. They determined they would rebuild. They're in the process right now. Living with a brother, putting house and home back together, having lost it all. The Lord taught me through my shameful response. He'll win this battle. Trust Him. Trust me. Trust God. upon his promises just to know thus saith the Lord
4: Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Hello?
0: There was an old mother
2: who lived...
1: No necessary. Void, by law. 18 plus terms website for details.
6: Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues.